Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate you joining the chat there, the live chat during the show. You can also subscribe and ring the bell to get the alerts every time that we go live across the Outkick network, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, and anytime we post exclusive contents. Euros on full display for the last, what, three weeks uh, with the tournament uh, in Europe, and it, it concluded yesterday at Wembley Stadium where Italy won in a shootout over England in dramatic fashion. Uh, it was, uh, the atmosphere within the building was incredible. Uh, fans storming to get into Wembley Stadium without tickets was insane. Uh, seeing some of the replays there and how they stormed the, the corridor and got into the stadium, uh, nuts. And as you might expect, the atmosphere grew just from the craziness that ensued. Insane. And, uh, you know, for those not familiar, and I know some people watched it not knowing uh, a lot of the, the history, um, it's a bit of a stretch. But think of England like the Cubs or the Red Sox during, um, you know, their droughts. You know, not, not, they weren't terrible like that, but they could never break through. Something always went wrong. Germany regularly beat England, big tournaments. 19 major tournaments since 1966 without a win. Always coming up short, always finding a way to lose with a lot of talent. So not necessarily completely Cubs, Red Sox, mm -hmm. but similar thing. Always expected things to go wrong. Something always undoes them. And now uh, into the finals, clearly with more talent than Italy. And I, I was a little bit worried because so many of the commentators were saying so much more talent, so much more talented, as if, well, you throw these two teams on the field and obviously the more talented team wins, which is not how soccer works, a game with 11 guys on, on the field for two teams. It's not like the more talented team always wins. They score a beautiful goal in two minutes. Um, and keep up the pressure early, but second half they sat back way too much, thinking that they were going to win one nothing. And Italy eventually finds an equalizer as they press more, and England sits back too much, gets to penalties. And Gareth Southgate, who I know some of our listeners don't particularly care for, but did a really good job with this team that went to the semifinals of the last World Cup, gets to the finals of this tournament, is a team that's looked at as one of the favorites in Qatar which we still like to call Qatar. <laughs> um, but this order that he puts together and the procedure for the penalty kicks, very questionable. Now, Ian Dark said that Southgate likes to put his best guys early. And so Harry Kane, who is their penalty kick taker, goes first. Um, McGuire goes second. And they both hit, but then things go terribly wrong. He put in with four minutes remaining in the game, Marcus Rashford, and Jaden Sancho. They only played four minutes. They each touched the ball twice. I thought at the moment, I told Teresa, two cold guys coming in to take penalty kicks is not a good scenario. 
And sure enough, things start to go wrong. And it really goes bad with Rashford, who gets the keeper going this way, has the open net to hit it here, hits it too precisely and hits the post. And then the wheels come off. Sancho hits an easily savable penalty. And then they're in position as Italy does its job where um, Bukayo Saka from Arsenal, who's 19 years old and should not be as a 19-year-old in the position to take this high-pressured kick where hit it or lose, when they have all these other international players, Raheem Sterling from Man City, Jack Grealish from Aston Villa, veteran guys who could handle the pressure better. And Saku steps up and hits a weak shot that's saved by the player of the tournament, Italy's keeper. Um, and, and they lose on this. And they're going to be talking about this penalty kick order forever. It, it also, such pressure in, in those moments. That's the most pressure-packed moment you could have, hit it or lose. You could see that he was not going to hit it. I mean, you, and I felt awful for the kid. After the fact, is there was immediate, you know, tears and emotion. But it, walking up to it, you could look at his body language and know this is not, this is over for Italy. And England and saved Jorginho, who's the best well, penalty kick taker in the whole thing, who does this hop skip thing where he waits for the keeper to move and then just touches it into the empty side. And Pickford, England's keeper, saved him. So I mean, you're in an advantageous position. They were ahead early in the penalty kick shootout, and then. Well, that was the one that kept it alive when he saved it off the post. That was a beautiful save. Yeah, and if it bounces in off of him, it still counts. So he yes, had to recover. Yeah, so he bounced it. off the post and then knocked it out. Um, that was that was beautiful. But uh, the, the the Italian guy who missed too, I'd say the same thing. He walked up there and his body language looked terrible and nervous uh, when he got saved uh, on it. Um, you could just see it. England, I think before this, I don't know if it's before this or counting this, they have won twice in nine attempts. Um, penalty kick shootouts at the end of major tournament games, which is the worst of any country by far. And so they've prepped and researched and done data. And Southgate says, this is what we came up with out of all of that, tracking everybody and doing everything. But even so, I think you undervalue the human element with a 19-year-old being last. Well, and... The discussion always becomes when these huge uh, matches come down to penalty kicks is games should not be decided on penalty kicks, games like this. There needs to be a true winner. I don't know that I've seen the true solution to that. Because when people say, well, just keep playing, well, you can't just keep playing. You know, that's way too long to continue playing. Is there a solution you would like better to see, Paul, than the game and a championship like this coming down to penalty kicks? I mean, we know the NHL solution in the playoffs. Listen, is you keep playing. You can't. Go, you can't yeah. go forever, right? It's it's not it's not viable. Now, the, the something they do at youth levels is they pull players off, or like at my sister's school, she she teaches at a high school, um, a private high school in California, and I don't know that I've heard this elsewhere. Uh, or that it's official, but they play in a small league, right? They're spread out from schools they play against at six or eight schools that, you know, are 45 or minutes or an hour away from each other. They gradually take kids off in, in minutes, you know? And you end up with five on five, four on four, 
three on three. You, you end up with one, if you haven't scored, with one kid on each team outside of a goalie. You know, is that a more fair way to decide it than penalty kicks? I, I don't know. I, I don't see how it's more exciting for someone who's not a big soccer guy. It was exciting watching those penalty kicks when it comes down to that. I mean, there is a buildup. There, there is a intense drama. Look, know, we, soccer's come to terms with it. This is the way you finish. Well, it's not. I, I, I know the purists hate it, but for someone who's just looking to be entertained by a sporting event, I love watching Wembley Stadium on its feet in the pressure-packed moments of you're out there on the island with your team behind you locked arm in arm watching you and you're walking up to that line and this is the moment, right? And the goalie's going crazy trying to distract you. The whole thing is fun to watch when you get to that moment in, in a big match like that yesterday. That, that part of it I loved. Here, Paul, I defer to you on, on this next question. Italy missed out on the World Cup, right? Yeah. How does Italy... Italy miss, and the Netherlands and the United States. How does Korea. Italy miss out on the World Cup and be that bad and hit rock bottom as a federation and come back and win this tournament? How does the U.S. become half as good as what Italy is right now? How do, how do they flip a switch from missing the World Cup to this? Well, this is the, the example, uh, but it also goes to show you how you could have a down qualifying tournament and miss the way that the U.S. did, the way that Netherlands did. Also, Europe is incredibly competitive. So somebody good, maybe not as good historically as Italy or the Netherlands, misses the World Cup every year. Somebody of note that you can't believe is not in the World Cup. Now, last World Cup, it was really stunning that both Italy and the Netherlands weren't there. Um, but that's how hard it is to qualify out of Europe because there's so much talent there. It's a remarkable rebound to go from not being in it. Well, they've to, won, to what, 30-plus matches in a row now. Yeah, and they brought back a guy who was out of it, an older defender to kind of be a steadying uh, captain-like force. Very impressive rebound, though, and something that the United States fans, listen, it's apples and oranges in a lot of ways, but the United States has a lot of good young talent now, and they need the coach not to screw it up, Burhalter which is, I think, the major fear of United States soccer fans because they've got guys, at, at, I've talked about this again, at Chelsea, at Juventus, uh, at, at Barcelona, for crying out loud, you know, at some of the best clubs in the world. We should absolutely be there and make noise. And if we're not, it's going to be because Greg Ber Berhalter is in over his head. I'm I wish we would. Let's get to a point. Maybe the day is coming to where we're just saying about U.S. soccer, there's no excuses now. And by the way. Now is the time because we're already prepping for, boy, the roster looks great and there's these international stars on it, but the coach sucks and the coach is going to oh, hold them back That's what I'm possibly. prepping myself for. But, I mean, going. you're saying this is common thoughts out there, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I'm ready for it to line up where it's a good roster with guys with international experience and it's a coach people have faith in. And there's no excuses. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But you're going into international competition saying, now is the time to do something big. Also, I'll brace you for this. So the Euros just finished. The South American Championship just finished with Argentina winning and Messi finally getting his trophy. Now, I don't know why we did this, maybe because of MLS to a degree, but uh, uh, Gold Cup is just starting. Mm. 
mm -hmm. which is North and Central America. Do not get lost in comparing this in terms of, uh, I don't want to say quality, it's, it's not as good a quality, but the timing is bad, okay? Because in Europe, we are about three weeks from the start of seasons. So Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, these guys that I'm talking about are not with the United States for this. U.S. beat Haiti, won nothing last night. Well, we've got a roster that's good enough to win the Gold Cup, but it's not the roster that I'm talking about. Because for some reason, Gold Cup is scheduled now, and what has to happen now for a guy like Pulisic is he needs to rest, because, oh, and then he needs to report to Chelsea because Chelsea's season is about to get started. And these guys' schedules are ridiculous. These guys who just finished Euro, you know what they get off now? Three weeks, and they gotta be back to their club. And you know how much time they had off between the end of those club seasons if they went deep in Champions League? Hardly anything before they reported to, get, to their nations to get ready for Euros. Soccer schedules are rigorous. It's ridiculous how little time these guys get off. They're going back to work in three weeks with their club team. Coming up, Tennessee Vols recruiting news and a former quarterback who is now elsewhere will tell you his landing spot. And the Titans and head coach Mike Vrabel, he hits the links. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 back as we broadcast live from Studio G, Nashville, Tennessee, and the home of Blackbird Studio and theblackbirdacademy.com. Crew is all here today. Great to have Lance Lee back in the fold as well. MLB draft last night. Um, Jack Leiter goes number two overall to the Texas Rangers, right-handed pitcher from Vanderbilt. And we, we see Rocker fall all the way to 10th to the Mets. Pirates drafted Henry Davis, the catcher from Louisville. Um, Boy, he looks terrific. I don't, I don't think that was a big surprise based on some of the mocks I was seeing. I think the biggest surprise was this was supposed to be a huge shortstop draft at the top, at the very, very top. And we were three or four pork, uh, picks in before we saw the, the, that run. So we, we see Rocker last all the way to the 10th, which is a, a surprise. Simon was like, we watched uh, up to Rocker, and Simon was like, a lot of these guys are in high school. His wheels were spinning because we talked yeah. about college a lot. And he's like, uh, uh, can you get drafted? Uh, can you drop out of high school and get drafted? He, his, all his wheels were spinning about his major league dreams and how he could get out of school fastest. Um, uh, look, uh, they, I mean, they had an interesting conversation about Rocker. Like, have you seen so much of him in his work in Vanderbilt that you've had time well, to figure out holes in him where a lot of these other guys – you haven't seen as much and had time to to figure things out. I don't um, I don't get the whole draft process early. Uh, pitchers versus because, field players. Because you're going you're going to the minors. You have to work your way up, right? I I found it intriguing that one of the analysts when Rocker was selected said Mets fans, this may be the first player you see called up next year. You may see him on the mound next year. Yeah uh, and. They didn't say that, for instance, about Henry Davis. No. I mean, maybe it's a well, high school kid. I think is not going as quickly. Well, Davis played Davis. at Louisville. Yeah, he's a college. He played kid. at Louisville. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My, so my point is, I found it intriguing that Rocker was the guy that they felt like could could be called up 
pretty much right out of the gate, if not out of the gate, at, towards the fall of next year. Uh, meanwhile, Jack Leiter may be more of a prospect, but a future ace is how he's viewed. Yeah, I, I don't... I like this story because, only because, I feel like Rocker and Leiter should be playing in the majors late next year. Right? Like, it's different in baseball because it's not the immediate payoff. Mm -hmm. You don't draft a guy and he immediately goes and you factor him into the rotation starting next spring training. Right? There's a, there's a buildup. There's a minor league process that goes with it. So, um, I, I was shocked by that, too, that it was, it was immediately discussed with Rocker. He's going to be up quick and not necessarily lighter. But, hey, Rangers fans, you've got your future ace uh, with lighter. I'd like to see both those guys up sometime next year. Uh, another thing on the flip side of this is Brady House, who's a Tennessee Vols commitment, who went 11th overall out of Atlanta. And he's a high school kid, right? So he was going to go play at Tennessee. He's not now. He's the 11th overall pick to Washington. But when Brady House is drafted, you're waiting four or five years maybe, you know, to see him at the major league level, depending on his progression. So that's, that's why the Major League Baseball draft never gets the play as some other sports, because there's not the immediate payoff. Look, I, I have not looked, and I should have, I admit, at uh, the Mets roster and how it stands and how they've developed prospects. I can tell you this. The Mets are not a good franchise in terms of, of sustaining things, developing things. Uh, Lindor goes there. How do things go? You know, yeah. uh, they don't score runs for DeGrom, the best thing they have going on, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, you know, uh, Kenny, he can handle the exposure and all of that stuff. But the first thing I thought, and I'm a Mets hater, I didn't want him to go to the Red Sox, number one. I don't want him to go to the Mets, number two, though the Yankees don't have to face him uh, in the National League very rarely. But I automatically thought, I hope they don't screw him up because the Mets uh, have a history of screwing some people up. Well, it's worked out for DeGrom uh, that he hasn't had a chance to win a lot, look, although it looks like they may win the division this season. But they also have a lot of good young pitchers who have yeah. faded. Uh, now, a lot of organizations have, you know, the hit rate on young pitchers throughout the league is a good percentage of them don't cut it, right? You draft a billion of them and you, you pray. Uh, you know, guys have <laughs> yeah. arm problems and developmental problems and whatever. And we all think that Kumar Rocker's not, and Al Leiter aren't going to be two of those guys. I, I just, but it's, it's very curious to me because I didn't think Rocker would last that long. And it kind of shows me that maybe some people out there think that while he's great right now, there is a lower ceiling for Kumar Rocker in terms of pitches he can develop and what he's going to become in the majors, right? Because just watching him perform at the highest level in college baseball, I'm thinking, uh, this is, I, I thought Leiter and Rocker would be two of the top three picks in the draft, you know, based on their prowess as starting pitchers and their potential. But what we're seeing is by their selection and where they were selected, Leiter maybe has the higher well, ceiling. He certainly has career. pedigree, too. It doesn't hurt that your dad is a very successful major leaguer who's involved in major league broadcasting now. Um, you know, there's something to be said for being that familiar with the lifestyle and having been around it growing up and all of that. That said, look, we're in Nashville. Expectations were hugely high for the kid. Um, he got drafted 10th. He's going to be just fine, <laughs> uh, you know, in terms of his opportunity and, and whatever. It's not like he dropped from from a top five prospect to that 30th or 50th right. or 100th or something. 
I, I, that's where the confusion sets in, though, for me, is to hear the reaction to Rocker in the draft versus what we were seeing and witnessing on the mound once a week during baseball season here, where he's, you know, he's the ace, he's pitching in front of Leiter, they're one and two, and it's the uh, great tandem in college baseball, and they do some great things. And Leiter is, last, last night, and I'm watching just to see where these two go, uh, he's drafted, it's... Oh, he wasn't placed on a pedestal, but it was a no-brainer that they, they should have uh, gone with him number two to Texas. Um, meanwhile, Rocker falls, but it doesn't seem like it's a big surprise. I don't, I don't know. I, I guess mentally I wasn't prepped for that, but that's also me acknowledging I have no idea about some of these high school kids and the prospects that they are and how long some of these teams are willing to wait. Meanwhile, the Mets, and, uh, Paul, I guess long story short here, the Mets took a player that they could play next year. Like that, to me, there's huge value in that, and he lasted the tenth. You see what I'm saying? Instead of waiting four years well, for a guy. So it struck me as again, Rocker is a ready-made guy that you could plug in your rotation and he could be solid, but his ceiling isn't nearly as high as Jack Leiter. That's that's what that's what it sounded like to me. Like oh, while this guy may not have the long-term tools, yeah. he's ready to go right now uh, w- with his ability. That, that's, the way, that's the way I took it. I hope both guys have a great career. I think they both will uh, from what we've seen. I, I don't look as much. I think it's, it's tough to screw up. Uh, the thing that derails pitchers are injuries. So as long as you know, that we say it's, it's obvious, well, if they avoid injury. But to me, I, I think it's tough for an organization to screw up a great pitcher as long as they don't get injured, right? I mean, that's, that's what you hope, at least. Let's just uh, a quick exercise. 2019, first round. Orioles, Adley Rutschman. Royals, Bobby Witt Jr. White Sox, Andrew Vaughn. Stop me when you've heard of a guy or excited. Miami Marlins, J.J. Blede. Detroit Tigers, Riley Green. San Diego Padres, C.J. Abrams. Cincinnati Reds, Nick Lodolo. Texas Rangers, Josh Jung. We can stop this whenever. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I. I mean, here's the top ten yeah. two years out. You know, it's a it's an exercise in patience, and you know who knows. Well, and how many of those guys were high school prospects as opposed to college? I think well, would be a big part of it. You know, a the, handful. Fo- the fourth guy was a Vanderbilt guy, uh, Blade Blade, JJ Blade from uh, from Vandy, outfielder who went to the Marlins. It's just a different. It's about 50-50 here. It's a different sport and a different. No more college than, pro, uh, than high school. A, 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 a different vision for what you're drafting for. Yeah, and don't and think draft like NFL or yeah. or, or basketball. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, the Tennessee Power Hour, as we as we move on, Vrabel, Paul participating in uh, the the golf tournament out west. Well, if you want to, uh, I, I don't understand the scoring system. Uh, that they use. He's he, out in Tahoe. He tied for 76th with Charles Barkley. And uh, if you're looking for a fun omen, he beat Sean McDermott by four points. So Titans over Bills <laughs> in, uh, in July. Here's a, another question I had about this tournament. Annika Sorenstam. Yeah. She came in fourth. A, she shouldn't be in it. She's the best woman's golfer of all time. What is she doing in a celebrity tournament of non-golfers? B, if she's in it, she should win it. Well, who won it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, 
It's, I had no idea this was uh, televised. It's, I, I don't know that it was televised. It's hard to find um, results because it's not on my score app. Uh, I think Vinny Del Negro won it. Okay. I know Tony Romo's always in this. Uh, John Smoltz is always participating out in Tahoe. Uh, Eddie Vinny George Del Negro, John, John Smoltz is really good. Tied, uh, it looks yeah. like. Or no, that's round three scores. Uh, okay. It's Who very else do you hard. have on there? Who Tony Romo, Sorenstam. Mike Madonna, Jack Steph Wagner, Curry. Joe Pavelski, Marty Fish, Mike Madonna, Steph Curry. Sterling Sharp. I mean, there are a lot of great names. Carson Palmer. And Kyle Williams, I feel like, won it last year or was very close to winning it he last won, year. He won, Aaron Rodgers was there. I, I usually enjoy Jerry watching Rice. this event because the scenery is spectacular. Yeah, yeah. And I like watching these uh, people from other walks of life play golf. But those boats that come up on Lake Tahoe <laughs> yeah, yeah. where people are just partying, you know, it's just a huge, like, boat party going on right next Canelo. to the course is awesome. Shouldn't Annika Sorenstam win that? I mean, I guess fourth, you know, you can't guarantee you're going to win it, and she was five points off. I mean, I have not followed the golf habits of Annika Sorensen since she retired, so I don't know. Right? Is she still golfing regularly? I don't I, know. I have no idea. But whether she is or she isn't, um, I feel though as though uh, if you're the best woman's golfer of all time playing against a bunch of celebrities. So how, how good is Vrabel? Well, I saw he talked to Jim Wyatt before he went, and he said, I'll hit – because he does birdie, this every year. Birdie, double bogey, double bogey, birdie. And, that, and then when I looked at his first-round score, that's exactly what he did. So he knows his game. I'll say that. Yeah, like Eddie's okay. I talked to Eddie you know. uh, actually Friday. He was across the street here. Um, and I told him Vrabel was out there. and he, it, So he knew it was a year since he'd been out there. Yeah. And he kind of like slumped when I mentioned it, like, oh, like about how rough it was. Oh, it was a it well, was a he, rough it was a rough round. He or two. tied for last, I think. Yeah, last year I said I can't out. imagine what it's like to to perform in front of an audience at not I, your I sport. I, Eddie George is he just can say yes to everything, and just try it. And I am I marvel at well, that. Well, he wanted badly because not be everyone it. wants to put themselves in a position where you could fail miserably, right? And Eddie just has the confidence that he can try something. He wants to try everything. And see if he can do it. So I'm never going to knock anyone for a poor golf score <laughs> at one of these events because it has got to be very difficult to have an actual gallery watching you and television cameras around when you're playing golf, which is not something you do for a living. Unless you're Jacob Swanson, then you go out and you crush it every time when the camera's the on. Most beautiful you. swing in the studio, Jacob Swanson. And now I'm seeing scores that look like they are, um, you know, regular golf scores. But earlier I saw something that looked like it was points. So. I don't know how the scoring was. It's it's more difficult to find than most think because it's a celebrity golf tournament and it's not just on regular scoreboards. Coming up, our thoughts on Ryan Tannehill. Plus, we give you details on Tennessee recruiting. They land a wide receiver. We'll tell you who and where from. Also, we'll tell you where Caden Salter is headed to play football. That's next on Outkick 360. Won some money this past weekend for the parlay on Outkick360 and FanDuel.com. Thank you, Hut. We are back at the grind again, but first we revisit what we won from UFC 264, where we raised some of the odds by being specific on the method of victory and doubling the chance on the last two fights. Sean O'Malley won in a, a, what was a fight of the night contender um, to open the pay-per-view. Uh, Tied to Avasa. 
knocked out Greg Hardy in quick fashion in round one, and Dustin Poirier by knockout or TKO. Uh, he certainly did that with the referee stoppage at the end of round one. $5 paid $25.75. Now, tonight, it's the home run derby or bust. If you want to place some bets at fanduel.com slash OK360, you can bet a number of different things. Tough to find a good parlay, though, uh, based on the way some of the odds are stacked up. They're not allowing uh, the, the cross-promotion here of, uh, for instance, home run distance over under 519 and a half yards. Under, or feet, for the longest homer. 519 feet for the longest homer, over, under. Under. Uh, you, you can't bet that and play it with, say, Otani. So I'm betting Otani uh, just to win the home run derby because I, I figure, look, plus 240, it's good odds for the favorite. Um, and the field, which is a, look, it's a roll of the dice here because it's matched up round by round, but $5 has a payout of $17 right now at fanduel.com slash OK360. That's how you can play along. First bet, by the way, up to $1,000 risk-free by signing up at fanduel.com slash OK360. Caden Salter has signed up with the Liberty Flames. Hugh Freeze. I think it's a good fit. You know, we uh, speculated with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price about where he would go. I immediately thought he would go to um, a, a middling to lower level Power 5 in Texas. But uh, I remember it was either Brenner Austin said it's going to be tough for him to land on a Power 5 team given uh, how quickly he was out at Tennessee because of multiple incidents. So where else to go? But the reclamation project itself in Hugh Freeze and Liberty makes a lot of sense uh, for the rehab process for Caden Salter. And I think offensively that makes a lot of sense with his well, skill set and could really work out well for both him and Hugh Freeze and, and Liberty. And for the, uh, the non-Power 5, yep. they have a national football brand now. They went 10-1 and one last year. They got on national TV where they played Coastal Carolina in the death match that everyone was calling. It was a great game. Um, and, and they have the, the Hugh Freeze recognizable name coaching them. Um, are they on national TV every week? No. But ESPN featured them. And... Uh, that that offense will fit Salter style, and Hugh Freeze gets a top 100 quarterback. Surely he had somebody he liked, though, running uh, running things. So it'd be interesting to see if Salter is automatically well, in, or, or because he's so much more gifted than a you know because he got a top 100 quarterback, or if a, if a guy in place who's running a system well is is hard to displace. Salter is a curious case because Caden Salter committed to Jim Chaney's offense, which makes no sense I, you're right. for Caden Salter uh, with the other options that he had. Now, when that happened, I remember talking about it with you guys. I thought, boy, this means Jim Chaney sees where football is now Evolving. and is going to evolve the offense, and he's going to cater an offense to Caden Salter, and they're getting away from you know the big arm pocket passer with no mobility and the ancient playing style of run, 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 then maybe occasionally play action pass, and he's going to evolve his offense. And then as the year went on last year, we saw that Jim Chaney's not really doing a lot of evolving of the offense at this point in his career with Tennessee. So that was always confusing. So when Caden Salter got to Tennessee, I thought, boy, this is a good offensive fit now with what Josh Heupel wants to do for Caden Salter. We saw how that went because of off-the-field problems. He's out. 
So now I think he's gone to a place, I think he's picked well based on offense and what Hugh Freeze could do with him, and I think he's picked well for a place that they're still not going to get elite 11-type quarterbacks, you know, top player in the state of Texas-type quarterbacks at Liberty that often. So this seems like a win-win. It's a big win for Liberty, and they get a guy of that caliber talent-wise, and it's a big win for Caden Salter because while he, you know, basically flunked out at Tennessee off the field, he gets a chance to land softly in an offense that fits, fits him well. Uh, the Vols have also landed a four-star wide receiver today in recruiting, Cam Miller out of Memphis. Cameron Miller uh, plays at Memphis Academy of Health Sciences, uh, sort of a newer um, public school in, in Shelby County. Chose Tennessee over Alabama, so those were his final two. Alabama, Auburn, Memphis, Ole Miss, Oregon was his final group. From the city of Memphis, the first four-star guy, consensus four-star player in this class, first four-star guy for Josh Heupel. Big on a number of levels. Look, you can't, it's tough to put a verdict out there for Josh Heupel and this staff in recruiting this year because of the NCAA cloud hanging over them. Mentioned it on Friday, the war room at VolQuest for the first time, mentioned Tennessee turning something over to the NCAA that does not include a bowl ban at all, just scholarship reductions, which is the first we've heard of that. Now, maybe they do that, maybe they don't. Maybe, it, maybe they self-impose a one-year bowl ban, Maybe they don't. Maybe the NCAA comes back and says that's fine without the bowl ban. Maybe they say no. You've got to have at least a one-year bowl. We don't know because there's so much confusion with the NCAA. But because of the cloud hanging over them this year, because of the late start with this class, it's tough to gauge how they're going to recruit. But this is big because it's a player in the city of Memphis. We are going to need to have some success, and it's a guy that Taven Jackson, your star quarterback commitment up in Indianapolis, has been texting the whole time. And the first text he got when he committed, and he says in his interview with VolQuest, was Taven Jackson. And he said Taven Jackson was the one quarterback of the schools that I was considering that frequently texted to get a relationship going with me. So I think that's good that you've got the quarterback commitment starting a relationship with players in this class, but it's also good to get a four-star guy in the state of Tennessee because in this year, there are some top players in the state. I don't know how many Tennessee's going to get in that top ten. Maybe two, maybe three, if you look at the top 15. But here's one of them right now. So that's a, that's a nice domino to fall in your favor. Is this, is this year an anomaly with all the early announcements? Or do you think we, that we will start seeing this as more of the norm, the commitments right I mean, now? I, I just I, I don't know that we can make any broad, sweeping judgment about the future of recruiting in college football based off this past year. Because we've seen more visits this time of year and guys making announcements prior to going on the college tour during the fall where they see the game day atmospheres. I think because last year showed so much uncertainty, guys were, they released the floodgates and they finally got to visit wherever they wanted. And so they start visiting these schools and you see commitments happening quicker. A bit of a race. Because they also know nothing's guaranteed. Here's an example. Cam Miller didn't play football last year. Why? He wasn't allowed by Shelby County. They had no football. Mm -hmm. This guy has a year of not playing football at all. His tape is sophomore year. He didn't play his junior year of football. So a lot of people are going to be watching to see his progress this year. Now, when that happens, does Alabama come after him harder if he's even better than they thought? Does Ole Miss? They will. Tennessee's going to have to hold off these schools if he delivers on the prospects that he showed as a sophomore. 
But I think that uncertainty, especially with a guy like Cam Miller, who didn't even get to play football a year ago because of COVID restrictions in Shelby County, I think they're going to be quicker to commit and get a spot in someone's class if they like the coach and like the school, maybe more so than last year. But if we get a year of normalcy where other guys are taking visits during the fall and committing later, and we get a year that's completely normal with packed houses and everything else in college football, I think it probably resets to the year before. And we don't see this, this broad sweeping change. Been a fun show today, back from the weekend. Paul spent some time with uh, a new pup at the Gaharski household and also trying to put together a grill. Oh. And, and this was a special order because you wanted to get this earlier for a cookout, but you wanted to be able to do some, and I understand you wanted to upgrade. I, I see the intrigue there because I also was shopping for a grill recently. Uh, you went specialty here. You found the upgrade. But I got what not, I wanted. It's not set up the way you need it to, though. Well, it's set up to go to a gas line. Now, I have a gas stove, but I don't have a gas line outside. Outside, so yeah, I'm right. I'm going propane, but it's set up for a gas line. So I got to get the bottom of this thing loose and off because that hose is to set up to go to a gas line. So I've got the replacement hose that will go to a propane tank. There is no physical way for me to undo this bottom thing. It's just stuck on there? Well, if I twist it, the entire thing, if I make any progress twisting it, the entire thing twists, including the mechanism above it. Now I'm told by you guys that for some reason on a, on a grill, anything involving gas, uh, lefty-loosey doesn't apply. It's opposite. So now I have to twist it the opposite way. But I have no, no idea how in hell to to do that. Well, you can use just use leverage. Uh, Did you, you attempt to turn it the other way at all? Yes. Okay. I attempted to twist it both ways. But I can twist the bottom with a wrench or pliers. Uh, now I need it's, to twist the top, you but I don't hold have the two, top. Whatever's whatever's twisting the whole thing when you do it, you've got to have the pliers and lock down the in top while direction. you twist the other way in the opposite direction. Seems like a two-person thing where I could use help. My friend Bob across the street is out of town. My wife is not <laughs> equipped to help me with something like this. Recovering She's still in recovery mode, right? You need Simon to hold a wrench and leverage. So you can't. All right. So well, Simon can, was out of town also, so now I can try to get Simon. What was the level of disappointment in T's face when she saw you <laughs> trying to do this and not getting it done? No, she was disappointed that I was disappointed. She's like, "You want to just order?" She's like, "You want to just order pizza?" <laughs> and I'm, I'm throwing stuff yeah, around, you're in the, you're pissed in the, off. And she's like, you're go. really determined to do this, huh? And I'm like cursing and going to Home Depot and coming back. And then like, I can't do it with this either. I'm complete failure on anything mechanical. I, I know that. But here's one thing I figure I can do, and I can't even do this. And I want brats. Well, you're motivated to, to grill. I mean, that, well, we've I had, understand that feeling. Absolutely. Well, I made the we've brats had, on the stove, and they were delicious, but I'm still, they taste like failure. I know when I was out, <laughs> when I was out, you guys had a visit from Positive PK. Yes. What happened over the weekend was a visit from Defeated PK, uh, as he saw this happen. I, I've been there before. When you are in the mood to grill, the only satisfaction you're going to get is from the grilled meat that you're eating after grilling the meat. So I understand it, Paul. Well, also, this puppy is so adorable, all right? He's on a three-hour schedule to get outside. Take him outside, separate of Finley, so there's no playing, but he starts goofing around in the grass. He likes to lay down in the grass, play around in the grass. He'll pee in the grass. We're out there for 10 minutes. Okay, he doesn't have to poop. Bring him in, boom! Starts to sniff around to poop. Got to find a spot. Grab him and, <laughs> and, and take him outside again. So, uh, you, you know... 
we've not had a puppy. When we got Finley, he was five months old, and he was pretty well uh, into indoctrinated into systems. So we're learning. Um, also, we are alerted on the YouTube chat that currently FanDuel has an odds boost for Otani that has just been released. Oh, they've okay. added it? I haven't they've made that bet because I was yeah. having trouble getting Sweet. it. Download the FanDuel app, fanduel.com slash OK360. Clinton will do both. We'll play he'll, both. He'll bet it twice. We'll, we'll play we'll, the boost. We'll, he'll bet what he's already bet, and then he'll go with the boost also. That's so right. So Otani better win. Always go with the boost. Always. Hey, fun show today. We are back at it tomorrow. In the meantime, we hope you'll subscribe on YouTube, that you'll hit the podcast. You can download the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Uh, and as always, interact with us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram, at Outkick360. Chat Tuesday right here across the Outkick Network. Do not block the box. Please lock the locks, and please let me figure out the grill. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day, and give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.